Hello, this is uh, Dr. Morris Duffy, and I'm thrilled. I'm so excited to have one of my heroes with me here today. Uh, Tracy Edwards, who I met, oh, God, it's a long time ago now, Tracy, right? I'm trying to search back in. It was in Vinopolis. Wasn't it in, was it in Vinopolis? I can't remember. It must have been the North Tulta. So how are you today? I'm very good. I'm very good. I also can't remember how or when we met. I know it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was. It was a long time ago. But you were a hero then and you're a hero now. So, you know, the sailing around the world arc, you know, that's uh, obviously the all-female crew. That's uh, uh, first first person to do it. What a, what a brilliant story. So thinking back on it now, what do you think you've learned from it all? Oh, that's a good question. It's interesting, actually, that for the past, I guess, probably 30 years, I didn't sweep it under the carpet as such, but I didn't really recognize what we had achieved. You know, it, we sort of moved on to our next projects and, you know, women mostly have imposter syndrome. So, I, you know, I, I would end up saying to people who said, oh my God, that's amazing. I would say, oh no, it's nothing, it's nothing. But when the film Maiden came out last year, when all of the crew came back together for the first time in, uh, well, 30 years, we all, without, without exception, looked at it and went, wow, we did something really amazing. So I think it, I've learned more in the last year about what we achieved than, than I ever had done before. And that's really that we did break barriers and that we encouraged a lot more women into sailing and we did change the sport. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, for the first time, feel very proud of that. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it was a first in, obviously, the all-female crew. You know, it must have been the first for you in sailing around the world. Uh, and no, it was, it was the second. That was my second. Second, second, second. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, the fears, the nervousness, the excitement, you know, so what, 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 what did it feel like? For those of us who've kind of never experienced it, I always have this horror in my mind of big crashing waves of boats swaying left and right and thinking I'm going to die. And that's why I'll never do it. So how was it for you? Well, actually, the hardest part was getting to the start line because, of course, you yeah. know, a bunch of girls trying to raise money to sail around the world. You know, most people thought we were going to die. Um, I was convinced that we could do it because I'd already done it um, in the previous race. And I remember, you know, before I started that race, everyone was like, oh, it's so dangerous. And, you know, you're, oh, this is such a risk. And then I did it. Um, I did it with an all-male crew and, and me. And I remember finishing it and thinking, that's not that hard. So why why aren't women doing it? It's like the best kept secret in the world. And so I was very well prepared um, to put the project together and to manage it. And I guess we didn't really think that we couldn't do it. We, it getting the, the money was the problem. So when we crossed the start line, it was just relief, you know, that we were actually out there and, and we got the hard bits out of the way. And you know, the sea, you have to have respect for it. You have to have um, a huge amount of respect for the ocean. But it's, it's like everything in life, you know, if you plan and you prepare and you reduce the amount of luck to the smallest amount that you possibly can, you get the right team, the right tools for the job, and you build your team and you train properly, um, then, you know, you really do lessen the, the anxieties. And yes, of course, in the Southern Ocean with the absolutely massive waves and, and horrendous wind, there would be private anxiety, which none of us ever spoke about, you know, it would be sort of in deep inside. Uh, and then after you've been through a storm, you know, there'd be a lot of hysterical laughter and like, oh, <laughs> well, we got through that then. <laughs> that was good. Um, the storm, but the storm must have been ferocious, sir. Like you must have, you must have experienced some, some really difficult seas. 
They were horrendous. And as I say, you know, I mean, uh, when we nearly sank going around Cape Horn, that was the most frightened I have ever been in my life and ever will be, I hope. But again, you know, it, it's how you deal with that fear. You, to a certain extent, you have to concentrate on the job at hand. You don't have time to go, oh, look at this, you know, because there's this to fix and that to sort out. And you need to smile at the crew and not look too worried and, because you don't want them to catch you unaware where you're sort of going. So it, it's uh, for all of us, it was so all consuming, the survival, keep racing, you know, it's that problem solving process, which just takes your mind off everything else. And how did you, a lot of us are kind of struggling with isolation right now, you know, we're stuck at home and, you know, we've got the TV and we've got Netflix and we're comfortable and we've got the couches and we've got all that stuff, but we're still kind of confined within a particular space. What, what was it like for you on that boat? Because, you know, what, what was it? Was it 40 foot, 60 foot boat? 58 feet, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it was a small, space of, a small space for how many people? 12. 12 people. So uh, that's a small space. So the actual space per, per person is relatively small. So how did you deal with the isolation and, and that, that confinement? And, and how long did the trip take? How long were you confined on a boat? Well, the, the whole race is nine months. Um, uh, the longest... Oh, wow. <laughs> but the longer you have legs, you know, and then you have to stop and you rest and you repair the boat and the crew. So I guess the longest we were at sea was five weeks. Um, that was a long five weeks. The last few days were um, quite, quite tough. Um, I guess you, um, you have to learn to be very respectful of other people. Little things become very, very important. Like, you know, sort of you don't, you don't, um, if someone's left their clothing on the bunk that you're supposed to get into, you know, your instinct is to chuck it on them, you know, how dare they, I need to get into my bunk now. But, you know, you don't want to make someone else's socks wet. Um, little things, but food becomes very important. So you do, you do, if you don't have it already, you develop a, a respect for other people's space, the way they do things, their little idiosyncrasies, which you learn very quickly and can be really annoying, but they're putting up with yours as well. Mm -hmm. So it's that learning to have patience and, um, and respect. Yeah, okay. And, you know, what, what was the hardest part of it to you? Was it the isolation? Was it, you know, um, the confinement and, and with other people? Was it, you know, the, the, the disbelief other people had that you couldn't do it? You know, what, what, what was the most difficult part of it? Well, of course, the thing we really enjoyed was the isolation. For me, the best part of any sailing project is when you lose sight of land, because it is then, it's you and the elements, and it's the most natural and raw state any human being can, can be in, really. You, you know, you can't call, well, you can call for help, but you might be in a position where, you know, you, you can't get it. So for me, that sense of leaving everything behind and down everything being down to you and your team uh is there's the, the feeling is nothing like it the hardest thing for us was to accept that people really didn't think that we would survive i mean when we crossed the start line our project manager went to the pub with all the the yachting journalists and they started a book on how far they thought we would get and you know none of them none of them thought we would get to the end of the first leg so, in, you know, in a way that was very frustrating, but I guess in a way as well, it also galvanized us, you know, we were like, what? Right, we're going to go out there and prove them. Every negative article, I guess, um, added to our determination. But of course, when we did finish the first leg, 
we'd, we'd only come third and we were absolutely gutted because everyone else was just really happy we were alive so we had this really yeah. weird party on the dock with everyone else being like oh this is so amazing and us you know we were like absolutely gutted uh, so it's just a very strange experience on on that whole sort of front and and, and, and what interest so you know 30 years you know huge achievement right you know what you know and so i i know your daughter is there with you so i'm sure that was that's been part of the last 30 years she would say so i hope um so you know, what what what, 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 have you, what have you been doing? Well, I sold Maiden at the end of the race and we still had no money. I had to pay the wages. Uh, went on to do other all-female crews. Um, put together the world's first mixed-gender professional racing team. That was 20 years ago, just as my daughter was being born. So I project managed it. and We had a male skipper and a female skipper, six girls and six guys. Hugely successful. Really proved that, of course, the best thing for all of us is for men and women to work together. Um, and we have all these great different skill sets that we can throw into the mix. That was very successful. Um, then I did a project in the Middle East, which was um, not successful, and really had to start from scratch again in 2005 and rebuild our lives. And, um, and then in 2015, I found Maiden uh, rotting away in the Seychelles, and I got together with the original crew at the same time that the film director was starting to make the documentary. And we did a big crowdfunder and we bought her. And then um, Princess Haya, who's King Hussein's daughter, King Hussein funded us the first time round. And then her daughter heard that she called me up and she said, I hear you've rescued dad's boat. I said, well, my, my boat actually, but yeah. And uh, she said, how can I help? So we said, we, we need money. So she funded the shipping back to the UK in 2016 of Maiden and the complete restoration, which we finished in 2018. Uh, we now have a project called The Maiden Factor, and our charitable arm is The Maiden Factor Foundation. Um, what we do is we're, we're sailing around the world. Well, we're not at the moment, obviously. Maiden had to come back to the UK, and we've tucked her up uh, safely, and um, the crew are doing different projects. But um, it's a, it's a five-year world tour. Um, what we are doing is we're working and, with and supporting communities who enable girls into education and empower them to stay there. Uh, the most important thing I guess I learned out of my life was how stupid it was being expelled at the age of 15 um, and that I have been successful despite that, not because of it. And so 130 million girls around the world currently don't have an education and Maiden is working to change that. And for me, it's an absolute passion and it's a joy to have Maiden back out there, obviously with a younger I have to say, much more experienced crew than we were. Um, and to have this great team, you know, obviously working separately at the moment, but, uh, you know, working with young women and trying to change things as much as we can. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. I'm just seeing some feedback there. Um, but it, it is fantastic. I was just reading this morning, and it, it's frightening in a way, you know, that isolation has kind of, found women defaulting back to households, right? um, you know, and being the first ones to be furloughed and being the more women furloughed than any, and it's just, it, it is shocking. So, you know, if anybody wanted to contribute to your foundation or, or to help, how would they get in contact with you? Um, you just go to uh, www.themaidenfactor.org. Um, and you can, we've got a, sh a charity shop and you can donate um, 
and just support, you know, just become part of the, the Maiden team. Um, I think, Morris, what you just said is, is so relevant and this is why we have got to keep going through this difficult time because when schools go back, the, the group least likely to go back into education is girls in poverty and vulnerable girls. And so, you know, all that, yeah, all that groundwork we've done and, and how far we've got and you know it's all going to slide away again. So that's why we we need to keep going and um, and support women and girls. So yes, so the whole project. So www.maidenfactor.co.uk or com. Dot org. So it's um, dot org. So www.maidenfactor.org. So people can contribute there. So have you done any sailing yourself now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, it's, it's been an interesting um, thought process actually because getting Maiden back was amazing um, and you know building this whole new project which I'm really enjoying but I, I, did, uh, I did think to myself I, I don't necessarily want to go back on board and sail on Maiden again because I can never recreate what you know what we had then and I didn't want to try I also you know we have a skipper and a, a very capable crew I don't think they want me looking over their shoulders. So I, I'm, uh, I, I know my place, which is in the office, raising money and organizing everything for them. But I live vicariously through them and I, you know, I sort of follow their progress. And, and I have been to some stopovers. They have let me go to some stopovers. So. <laughs> and is your, is your daughter on the crew now? She's not on the crew. Um, quite frankly, you couldn't pay her enough to get her on a boat, um, but she's on the shore crew. <laughs> so she's our <laughs> event manager. She manages all our events on shore. So when we go into to you know, to ports, um, we do talks, we visit schools, we have hundreds of girls down to the boat. That is chaos. Um, you know, so we, we fundraise, we engage with the local community uh, and it's, uh, it's just phenomenal um, what we do. Yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, you know, as I said, that's, that's, that's just brilliant. So, you know, what advice would you give to people now? So what advice would you give to people going through uh, lockdown or, end, or exiting lockdown? What would be your advice? Well, that's, uh, that's a hard one. I think, I mean, I feel very lucky. I, I feel so lucky that I'm, you know, isolated with my daughter. I have a garden, you know, and you know, so many people don't. So I feel very, very lucky. I work from home anyway. Um, I'm, I'm really missing the traveling because I used to be flying all over the place. I'm, I'm missing that a lot. But I found what works for me is structure, you know, having a get up time and I'll go to the office time, even though I'm literally walking from the kitchen to the office. Um, you know, I have to have that. Otherwise, my days can very easily slip into just a huge series of procrastinations. And I, I think that keeps me grounded you know to have those processes in place um you know ha i think has got me through this coming out of it i'm much more worried uh because i don't understand how it's going to work i, I think we've had um not clear advice from our government um you know with what's been happening in the past 24 hours everyone's even more confused so i think you know we need that clarity we need to understand what the processes are and I think people will adhere to them. Mm. Um, but as long as we understand them, I think that's the, the most important thing. But I'm, I think they've done such a great job of making us all terrified of going out. I'm, I'm quite nervous and my, my default position is not normally nervous. So I guess we just have to take it one step at a time. 
So tell us a little bit about you. So, you know, are, are you into music? Or are you into reading? So what, what, what kind of gives you a buzz? Oh, well, um, yes, all of those things. Um, I have actually made a lockdown play playlist. My daughter thinks Perfect. that's very sad. But um, so, yeah, I very, I'm very, um, I have very eclectic tastes in music. I'll listen to opera or rock or jazz or, um, you know, and all mixed, you know, I'll go from one to the other. Um, and that I find music really, really, really important. For me, music can remind me, take me straight back to a place or a time. I can transport myself. Uh, so a lot of music and um, haven't really been, I, I, this sounds crazy, but we're so busy that I haven't actually been reading that much. Um, but I guess my favorite book that I've read most recently would be Shackleton um, by Roland Huntsford. Um, which good, I, good Irish man, good Irish man, good Irish man, and my hero, my total and utter hero. Um, you know, a man who succeeded despite his flaws, and um, I have more flaws than most, so I can appreciate that. But th this book's been around the world with me a, a couple of times, and um, it's just a just an extraordinary tale of. Um, this amazing man, yeah, Sir Ernest Shackleton. Um, I, I, I have his book behind me. I have his disc, so, so, so you're, you're playing right into my territory. But I have to ask you this question because, uh, you know, it, 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 it's probably much more relevant to you than anybody else. So if you were stuck on a desert island, what are the three things that you would take with you, right? Because you would have always been more likely to be stuck on a desert island than I ever oh would be. So what, what would be the three things that you would take with you? Uh, music. Um, and then I guess a couple of practical things, you know, maybe, um, uh, oh, I don't know, lighter and, uh, oh, I don't know, spear. Uh, well, I see, you, you, you miss the Irishness because for me it would be alcohol. <laughs> I'd, go, I'd go immediately, I'd, I'd want a, a never-ending tap to, uh, to, to give me some alcohol. So what, what do you do outside of work, Tracy, uh, to keep yourself occupied? Uh, gardening. Uh, I, I have found myself um, strangely drawn to gardening, which I have never done in my life. Uh, so I'm making it up as I go along. I have a fascination with compost at the moment. And if you'd have told me a year ago that I was fascinated by compost, I would have laughed in your face. Uh, but we have a wonderful next door neighbour with an allotment and he's teaching me um, socially distancing, obviously, over the garden wall. Um, and, but just also actually very practical things, mending stuff around the house that I have been, I'm a great procrastinator, so there's always a list of things, mend the tap, the hook, the, you know, whatever. Um, I'm actually um, very self-sufficient and um, quite good at DIY, so um, yep, been doing a lot of that. And very satisfactory, you know, very satisfying ticking stuff off the list, you know, so that by the time we get out of this, I might actually have done all my chores. That's brilliant. Listen. Thank you for your time today. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's always insightful. You know, I see you as this kind of seagoing, fearless creature. You know, <laughs> now I've kind of got you more sedately into the garden dealing with compost. So the picture has kind of changed slightly over this. But yes, you know, what you have achieved is absolutely brilliant. What you're Thank doing you. on education for, um, you know, for girls and for females and for women is, is it's, it's needed. It's absolutely necessary. You know, five-year project around the world, that sounds hugely exciting. You know, if anybody's listening, if they want to contribute, www.maidenfactor.org. Uh, Tracy Edwards, from me to you, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Morris. So good to reconnect.
If you're interested in change, mindset and personal development, whether in your personal life or career, you can head over to morristuffy.com forward slash resources, where you'll be able to access loads of inspirational material, articles, podcasts and motivational thoughts, as well as meditation and visualization exercises. You can also get in touch with Dr. Maurice Duffy and his team by email on letstalkatmorrisduffy.com. And don't forget to follow him on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Simply search for At The Beak Squawks.